Today we're going to be in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and turn there. And uh, let's go ahead and pray. God, we're thankful for today and thankful for every opportunity that we get to, to dig into your word and thankful for every opportunity that we get to gather together uh, and study your word together and worship together and pray together and fellowship together. God, we're grateful that we live in a country where we can do these things openly. Pray today, God, that you would, uh, uh, just through the Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, give us understanding of your word, or help us to make application to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of my, one of my favorite passages of, of Scripture, and, and I've, I've just been, been kind of camping out in the, this passage for several weeks now, and um, just for me me personally, not, not necessarily in preparation for today, but just, just for me personally. And so um, when, when uh, Rory gave me the opportunity to, to teach today, this was, uh, was kind of excited to, to get into this um, just because of things going on in my own life and, and things that, that, that God has been speaking to me. So uh, let's go ahead uh, and get in uh, verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 11 says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So we're going to look at just a couple of things here. And we kind of got, got three, three big ideas, three, three points that, that we're going to look at today. And uh, the first one is, is the fear of the Lord. In verse 11, uh, Paul writes, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And I don't know about you, but, but for me, uh, the fear of the Lord has kind of, kind of been a mystery uh, for much of my life. Just, just wondering, you know, what, what is the fear of the Lord? And uh, even asking people from time to time, hey, what, what does it mean to fear God? Right? The Bible says that the, that the demons uh, shudder at, at his name. And, and so... You know, what does that mean for you and me? Or are we supposed to live our lives just in, in trembling fear and just literally being afraid of God? Uh, or, or does it mean something else? And kind of the answer that, that I've gotten several, several times when I ask people is, oh, to, to fear God, it just means that you respect him. And, and maybe some of you guys have heard that answer too, to just, just respect God. It's a healthy respect, kind of an admiration of God, and, and, and that's what it means to to fear God, and, and I believe that that's certainly part of it, um, but, but, but I don't think that that's all of, of what it means to, to fear God. Um, you know, we've got to understand a few, few things in, in fearing God, and, and the first thing that we've got to understand is, is that God hates sin. God hates sin, right? Uh, we, we know that. Um, understanding, I'm a sinner. We're all sinners, Right? Romans 3.23 says that, that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of, of God's glory. 
Uh, we've got to understand that God judges sin, right? Romans 6.23 says that, that the wages of sin uh, is death. But then it goes on to say uh, that the free gift of God is eternal life. And, and that's the other thing we've got to understand about fearing God is that, that we're saved by his grace, not by anything we've done. And this may seem a little bit elementary um, maybe to, to some of you, but, but God hates sin. I'm a sinner. God judges sin. I'm saved by God's grace. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says that, that nothing can separate us from God's love. And Hebrews 13, 5 says that, that he will never leave us or forsake us. So great. Good, good to know, right? But, but So what, what does that mean? And, and what we see in our, our text today is that, that understanding those things uh, about God and, and seeing God for who he is and, and, and seeing ourselves for, for who we are in light of who he is, uh, ultimately... Should, should cause us to persuade others. And, and we're going to get into that as, as we go today. But, but ultimately that should, should cause us to persuade others. Paul goes on to say that, uh, but what we are is, is known to God. Or in other words, what we are is plain to God. Uh, and, I, and I hope that it is known or hope that it is also plain to your conscience. But what Paul is saying, and as we see Paul many times um, throughout his writings, is he'll say things like, Follow me as I follow Christ, right? And, and that's kind of what he's saying here is you, you want to see what it means to fear God. Here it is. Look, look, look at me. I fear God. This is what it looks like uh, in my life. When, when people come to you and, and people uh, ask you, when people boast about things in the outward appearance of their lives, um, the things that they do, you got to look past that and look at the heart. And, and, and here's, here's what it looks like, a, a guy with a heart that fears God. And Paul's just saying, look, look at me because this is, this is what it looks like. And, and so, so what does it look like in, in Paul's life? He talks about being out of his, out of his mind, right? He says, if, if we're out of our mind, out of my mind, it's for God's sake. In other words, Paul's kind of a fanatic, probably, that many of us would say. Uh, if, you, if you've read much of Paul's writings and looked at his life, the, the guy was kind of crazy. Um, did some crazy things. Did, did things that, that probably many of us wouldn't, wouldn't be willing to do. Uh, lived a life that, that many of us might not be willing to live. Um, he, he was fanatical. In Acts chapter 20, he tells the Ephesian elders that, that he hasn't shrunk back in declaring to them the whole counsel of God. Paul wasn't a guy to, to pull punches. Wasn't a guy to, to, to not share the gospel um, when an opportunity was presented. And, and even if an opportunity wasn't presented, he kind of made opportunities to share the gospel. Um, and, and ultimately, he, he lived not for himself, but, but for Christ. And, and that's what he writes here, is that, that, that we wouldn't live for ourselves, but that we would live for Christ who died for us. You put all that together and package it up, that, that's what it looks like to, to fear God from, from the beginning of understanding that we're sinners that, that, that need God's grace, that God hates sin, that God judges sin, that we need his grace, and, and, and that we're to live our lives for him uh, and not for ourselves. That, that's the, the understanding of, of what it means to, to fear God. The truth of the fear of God is, is that it has to impact the way that we live our lives. But we miss out. We, we fall short um, in fearing God. We, we don't fear God. Um, we fear man, for one. Oftentimes, we, we, we don't 
take opportunities to, to share the gospel because we're afraid of what people might think. We're afraid of how people might react. We're afraid of how we might look if people don't accept what it is that, that we have to say. And so rather than, than persuading others, as Paul says, rather than opening our mouth when, when the time comes, we just decide, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to live a moral life. I'm going to be nice to people. I'm going to help out my neighbor. I serve in the church wherever I can, can fill a need. I just live a good life. And people are going to look at my life and they're going to see the gospel and, and, and many people are going to come to God because I'm a nice guy. I live a good life. But, but at the end of the day, what, what, that, what happens is that our lives really don't look that much different from everybody else's life. Lots of people live moral lives. Lots of people can, can make good choices. Lots of people can, can help their neighbor stack wood. Lots of people can, can help their friends move. Lots of people can, can do those things. Lots of people can, can live quiet lives without rocking the boat too much. Lots of people can be nice. So our lives end up not looking that much different. Many of us have heard the, the quote from St. Francis of Assisi that says, preach the gospel when necessary, use words, right? Good, good quote, but what we've taken that to is kind of our, our opportunity to, to not have to share the gospel. And, and we, we kind of take that pro- probably in, in a way that it wasn't meant uh, when it was said. And, and so some of us, we hear that and we breathe a sigh of relief. Whew, I don't have to say anything. I don't ever have to open my mouth. I just have to, I just have to live my life, quietly live my life, and, and hope that people see God in me. And, and consequently, we, we, never, we never deliver the message that, that God has given us to deliver. And, and I don't know about you guys, but for me, that, that's been much of my life. Right? I'm just going to be the nice guy. I don't have to say anything if I'm the nice guy because people can, can look at me and they can, they can see. But, but it's not, not what we see in Scripture necessarily. Let, take Paul's life, for instance. If, if Paul's life looked different than it did, if Paul was just the nice guy, if Paul was just the, the quiet guy that, that occasionally helped people out and did good things, how, how, do, how do you think his message would have been received? But little speculation, but probably not to the degree that, that we read in Scripture. If Paul's life looked different, his message wouldn't, wouldn't have had the power that it had. And, and it was because of the, the life that he lived, the life that he led, that, that gave power. That God used that to give power to the, to the message that he preached. Paul had a difficult, difficult, difficult life from the point that he surrendered his life to, to God, his life got way worse. His life got way harder. Way harder. Yet yet he did it because he understood the, the fear of God, and that's why he writes that knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. And so ultimately, the fear of God has got to lead us to Persuading men, in other words, it's got to lead us to preaching the gospel message to, to people that, that need to hear it. But instead, we, we fear man 
Um, and we live for ourselves. We live our lives for ourselves. We, we make sacrifices in our life for our family. We make sacrifices for our jobs. We make sacrifices so we can have things. And, and, and don't misunderstand me, not, not saying that, that family and jobs and, and, and stuff, not, not saying that, that that's evil or bad, not, not the point that I'm trying to make, so don't, please don't misunderstand that. But, but when we pursue those things and we live for those things uh, above living our lives for Christ, that, that's when those things become idols. It's when those things get in the way of our relationship with God. Some of us work just ridiculous hours so we can afford hobbies and fun things with the kids. And, and again, those are good things. Those aren't bad things. Um, but, but man, when those things be, become our pursuit, when those things become the things that, that dictate our lives, that's when those things become bad. That's when those things become not, not good anymore. Because we're, we're living for those things and not living uh, for Christ as we ought to. And, and so, so we miss out in, in two ways in, in, in the fear of God. Two ways. One, we, we fear man, and, and two, we live for ourselves. And those things cause us to, to not fear God. Because we fear people and, and, we're, and we're selfish. right? The Bible tells us that, that our hearts are, are wicked. So ultimately, when, when we understand, when we get what it means, when we truly, truly fear God, it's all part of a proper understanding of, of what the gospel is. And so when we don't fear God, when we don't get it, when we don't understand it, it, it leads to a skewed view of, of the gospel or a false gospel, essentially. When we don't understand what it means to, to fear God, when we're not willing to take extraordinary lengths in our lives, to persuade others. And, and man, this is, this is for me as much as it is for anybody. Not, not picking on anybody or pointing the finger at anybody. This is, this is just super convicting to me. Super convicting. <clears throat> Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Second thing that, that, that we see here is, is, is regeneration. Regeneration, kind, kind of a big word. But what, what does it mean to, to be gen, regenerated? Right? Paul says that, that, that we regard no one according to the flesh. So before we were regenerated, we regarded people according to the flesh, right? We, we look at people and, and we say, that person's ugly, that person's fat, that person's stupid, that person's rude, that person's mean. Right? And we regard people in, in, in a fleshly manner as opposed to when we've been regenerated, when God has regenerated our hearts, when, when the old has gone and the new has come, we don't look at people that way anymore because it's not the way that God sees people. We look at people simply as, as sinners that, that need God's grace. So when that guy cuts us off when we're driving, 
it's not, not, not such a big deal anymore because you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm a sinner too that, that needs God's grace. Or when, when the person cut, cuts in front of us at the grocery store or whatever, right? We're all just sinners that, that need God's grace. And so, so what happens is, is part of our regeneration is that we begin to see people uh, in a different manner. We begin to see Christ in, in a different manner. Paul says that, the, that he once regarded Christ in the flesh, right? Um, pe- people that don't know Jesus, people that, that are not followers of Christ, how do they regard Christ? Um, he was a good man, right? The, the most would probably agree that, that lived and walked to this earth. Some, some would say was, was just a good teacher. Some, some might say more than a good teacher. For those of us that, that know God, we, we, know, we know Christ is so much more than that. And, and so we no longer regard Christ in the flesh, part of being regenerated. When we're regenerated, we become mindful of our own wickedness and, and our own sin. We see a Jesus for who he is, and we see our need for him. When we begin to realize that and, and piece those things together in our mind and piece those things together in our heart as, as the Holy Spirit allows us to, to have understanding, we realize that, that people, all of us, are just sinners that need God's grace. Every single one of us. The other thing that happens when we're regenerated is that, that our priorities change. Our priorities become different. Right? We, we just read that, that the old has passed and that the new has come. And, and so what does that mean? That, that we're different. When we're regenerated, that, that we're different. I, I think over, over recent, recent decades, the, just the, the church in general, I think has done a huge disservice in, in teaching people what, what it means to be saved. What, what, what it doesn't mean is that I'm going to make a little bit of room in my heart for God. I'm going to clear out this little corner. Okay, God, you can, you can come into my life now. That's not what it means to be saved yet. Yet it's, it's what is taught time and time again that, that it means to be saved. It, but what it really means to be saved, what we see in the Scripture, is that, that we surrender our lives to, to God and we live no longer for ourselves, but we live for Christ. And we become regenerated. And in that regeneration, the things that we thought were important maybe aren't so important anymore. The things that that we prioritized in our lives, maybe we we don't prioritize them the same way uh, that we did prior to. Uh, Matthew Henry writes this, Regenerating grace creates a new world in the soul. All things are new. The renewed man acts from new principles by new rules with new ends and a new company. A lot of new things going on there, right? And, and so, if our lives don't, don't look any different than they did pr- prior to our coming to God, what, is it, what does that mean? Has, has God regenerated us? We, we see uh, in the scripture when, when people give their lives to Christ, they're different. They're different. You guys look look at Paul in, in Acts chapter nine, 
When, when Paul encountered Christ on the road to Damascus, he encountered Jesus. He, he wasn't the same guy afterwards. And, and not just a little bit, but I mean, he wasn't the same guy. Right? One day he's, he's out persecuting the church. The, the next day, um, or a few days later anyway, he, he's out preaching the gospel to, to people that desperately need it. And, and he says things like, I, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Different guy. Picture of, of what regeneration should, should look like uh, in our lives. But our pride, our pride hinders us from being regenerated because we don't want to admit that our hearts are wicked, like the Bible says they are. We don't want to admit that. We don't want to see people as sinners because if we see people as sinners, well, if everybody else is a sinner, well, I, I guess I am too. And, and, and again, it just comes back to, to our own prideful ways of life um, that, that hinders the work of regeneration in our lives. We're selfish. We spend all of our time at work so we can have more money, and, and we use that money uh, to pursue hobbies and, and, and to bring us pleasure and to bring us peace and to bring us hope because we've got money in the bank. And again, not, not saying it's bad to, to have money in the bank. Please, please don't hear that. But when those things are our pursuit, it, it hinders the work of regeneration uh, in our lives because we can't pursue those things and pursue God at the same time. Right? The Bible tells us that, that we can't have two masters. We'll love one and we'll, we'll hate the other. And so we can't pursue the things of the world at the same time as, as we pursue the things of God. Yet many of us try. I, I've tried quite a bit in my life to, to pursue both. And it doesn't work. I, I, I can testify it doesn't work. Um, it doesn't. The old has passed away and the new has come. If the old hasn't passed away, then, then, then the new can't come. <clears throat> Simple concept. If, if, if we haven't, our old man hasn't died, then, then, then the new man hasn't, hasn't come. And if we think that we can come to God without being regenerated, again, it's, it's, it's a skewed view of the gospel. It's a false gospel. If we think that we can come to God without regeneration taking place in our lives, we have to. We have to be regenerated. Uh, verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the third thing that we see is reconciliation. There's two, two things that, that reconciliation is. Reconciliation, that number one, is a privilege, and, and number two, uh, it's a duty. The, the privilege of reconciliation uh, is, is this. The, the, the fact that, that we need it, the fact that we need reconciliation uh, implies that, that there's a broken relationship between us and God. It's because of our sin that we've offended God. 
But here's the really cool part. We're, we're reconciled to God by God. Not because of anything that we do, not because of our own righteousness, not because of our own good works, not because of our moral lives, not because we're nice. Those things don't reconcile us to God. The only way that we become reconciled to God is by God. I'm gonna, you don't have to turn there, but I'm just going gonna to read real quickly. Um, in Titus 3, verse 3, it says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Pretty, pretty incredible that beginning part of that passage doesn't paint a very pretty picture of, of who we are apart from Christ. But because of his mercy, he saved us because of his grace, because he's a gracious God, he, he saved us. And so we get to have the privilege of being reconciled to God. Secondly, reconciliation, it's our, it's our duty in 2 Corinthians 5, it tells us that we're ambassadors of Christ and that God makes his appeal through us. That's our duty. It's like God is saying to us, here's what I've done for you. I've given you the privilege of reconciliation. Here's what it is. Now go. Go tell others how to be reconciled to God. If we take that away, if we take, take, take this out of Scripture, if we, we take this out of, out of this passage, if we take the Great Commission away, which tells us to, to preach the gospel and to make disciples, if we take those things away, as believers, we, we have no purpose in existing on the earth. No, no purpose at all. We should just go straight to heaven when we get saved. There's no point in us being on the earth. Except that we, we have the duty of the ministry of, of reconciliation. And, and here, here's the, the cool part about, about all of this and, and kind of the end of the gospel. A um, few, few weeks back, I watched a, just a short, about a three-minute video from, from John Piper. And if you don't know John Piper, just a, a phenomenal pastor. Um, but watch about a three-minute video where John Piper kind of gives off about five uh, bullet points of, of what the gospel is. And so he kind of tells us, you know, five things that the gospel is. Um, but, but towards the end, he says that the gospel cannot end at the forgiveness of sin. Because if the gospel is about you and me being forgiven, then, then the gospel is about you and me. And that's not what the gospel is about. The, the end of the gospel, and he quotes 1 Peter 3.18 that says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That is the end of the gospel, that, that, that we are brought to God, that we might be brought to God. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is. It's what the privilege of reconciliation is. 
we're brought to God, and, and, and because of that, it's our duty now to play a part in bringing others to God because it's the way that he set it up. It's the way that he designed it. And so if you're here today and, and, and you haven't experienced the, the privilege of reconciliation to God, then, then you're not going to understand the duty of being reconciled to God. And if you're sitting here today thinking, I don't, I don't want that duty, I don't want the duty of, of reconciliation, then I don't think you've experienced the privilege of reconciliation. They, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, not kind of, they do. They go hand in hand. The, the privilege and the duty of reconciliation. Pretty incredible, if, if you think about it. And, and so what, what, what this means to us and what this tells us is that we're, we're not put on this earth to pursue careers. We're not put on this earth to pursue stuff. We're not put on this earth to pursue hobbies and family and comfort and those kinds of things. And, and, and again, not, not bad things. Only bad things when, when we elevate them above God. We're not here on this earth for those things. We're here on this earth to pursue God. We're here on this earth to, to live our lives for the one who died for us. And you may be sitting here thinking, you know, heard that before, and yes, I, I live my life for God. <clears throat> and that's great. That's great if, if that's what's going through your mind right now. But, but let me just challenge you with this and, and challenge your, your thinking. So so many of us, and and. I'm as guilty as, as anybody. Um, we do what's comfortable for us. Right? We, we come to church because we have, we have time. Other things come up, then, then you know, church isn't so important. But, but we go when we have time. We, we serve when we have time. We help out people when we have time. When it works for us. But, but many of us, and, and I'm not... I'm, not pointing the finger at anybody. This, like I said, this is just super convicting for me too. We 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 don't sacrifice much for the Lord. We we sacrifice much sometimes for for our jobs and, and other things. But many of us don't don't sacrifice much for the Lord because we these things haven't clicked. We don't understand our the, the privilege and the duty of reconciliation. We don't fear God. Um, Maybe some of us haven't even been regenerated. Everything is a means to the end of the gospel, which is that that we are brought to God. Everything is a means to that end. From, From cover to cover in the Bible, everything is a means to that end. And if we don't allow that to impact the way that we live our lives, again, we have a skewed view of the gospel. We've bought into a false gospel if we don't allow this to impact the way that we think, the things that we say, the things that we do, the things that we think are important, the the things that that we spend our our money and our time on. If those things aren't impacted, then, then... we don't understand the gospel. 
and lately, you know, last several weeks, you know, we, we, uh, we've been talking about the gospel quite a bit on, on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights at Home Fellowship, the, the men's Bible study on Saturdays. Um, even even with, the, with the high school and junior high youth group, we've been talking about what, what is the gospel? What is it to our lives? How should it impact our lives? What, is it, what does it mean to me? And, and I really believe that, that, that God is, is wanting us to, to understand what the gospel is. This isn't just some some kick that we're on or a theme that we decided, hey, let's let's make this our theme for the next little bit. I just really believe that the Lord is wanting to speak into our lives and, and, and is wanting our lives to be impacted by the gospel and, and wanting that to impact the way that we live. Just like Paul, whose, whose life looked way different than, than everybody else and, and, and it allowed his message to, to be powerful. What, how powerful of, would our message be, the message of the gospel, if, if we were fanatical, if we understood the fear of God, if we understood regeneration, if we understood the privilege and the duty of reconciliation and allowed those things to shape our lives rather than shaping our lives with peace and comfort and safety and those kinds of things. Man, what would our lives look like? Quite, quite a bit different. And what would our message be? Probably quite a bit different than, than it is right now. It's my prayer today, my, my hope today, that, that we allow the gospel to influence every area of our life, every way that we live our life, every aspect of the way that we live our life. We all have to have jobs. We, we have to have houses to live in. We have to have cars to drive. But, but man, those things aren't, aren't the, the driving forces in, in our lives. Those things aren't the things that the Bible tells us to pursue. Those things are not what the Bible tells us to live for. The Bible tells us, and we read today, to, to, to live for Christ, to live for the one who died for us. And we've got to understand that everything is a means to, to bringing us to God. And that, that is the end of the gospel, not the forgiveness of our sins. The end of the gospel is that, that God has, has brought us to himself. And, and I hope, hope that you guys understand that, that the gospel is about God. The gospel is not about you or, or me. The gospel is about God and, and his glory and who he is. And that because of his grace and because of his mercy that he has brought us to him. And in light of that, that should impact the way that we live our lives. It should impact the things that we think are important. It should impact our priorities. We should be able to fear God in light of that. We should allow God to, to, to regenerate us in, in light of that. And understand the, the privilege and the duty of reconciliation in that. So I, I hope, I, my hope and, and my prayer again is t today that just that we're convicted of 
areas in our life that, that we just haven't surrendered to God. Our whole lives, maybe, that, that we haven't surrendered to God. So I, I would just ask you to, you know, the, the worst thing we can do and the thing that, that I don't want to happen is I don't, I don't want us to, to leave from here and go have lunch or, or go home and, you know, do, do whatever it is that we do after church and, and just not do anything uh, with, with God's word. And I challenge you guys to, to take stock of these things in, in your own life uh, today and, and be honest. Be honest with yourself. If you're anything like me, I'm pretty good at fooling myself. I don't know about you guys, but I, I can fool myself when, when I want to. Um, and we've got to be honest with ourselves and, 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 and look, look, at, look at our lives and say, okay, am I living my life in, in this way or am I living my life for me? Are my priorities, are they selfish and prideful? Are my priorities aligned with what Scripture says my priorities need to be as one who's been regenerated and reconciled to God? Uh, Stuart, you can come on up. We're gonna, just going to close with a song and, and uh, just want to give you guys an, an opportunity, give us all just an opportunity that, that you know, if, if the Holy Spirit is, is bringing conviction... Um, just to respond to the Lord but before we go. And, and if that means that you need to grab somebody and, and pray to pray with you, then, then, then do that. If that means um, just sitting in your chair and, and just spending a, a quiet moment with the Lord, uh, pouring out your heart to Him, then, then do that. If that means that, that maybe some priorities need to be realigned, Realign them. If that means that that maybe some some hopes and some ambitions need need to be laid down, then then lay them down. We've been reconciled to God, and again, not because of anything that we've done, not because of anything in us, but solely because God is gracious and God is merciful. And if we don't allow that to impact our lives, if we don't allow that to impact our, our priorities, if we don't allow that to impact the, the way that we approach our job, the way that we look at our family, if we don't allow that to, to impact the way that we see people, then we've got a, a messed up view of the gospel. Lord, we're just so thankful for today. And God, we're just thankful for the gospel. And we're thankful, God, that that you have had a plan since the beginning of time that ultimately ends up with, with you bringing us to yourself. God, it's our prayer today that, that not one of us would, would walk away from here without being impacted by the message of the gospel. For, for some of us, that, that means learning to, to fear you. For, for some of us, that means being regenerated. And for, for others of us, it means understanding the privilege and the duty of reconciliation. God, wherever we're at today, wherever any of us are at, 
just ask that you would open up our minds and give us understanding, Lord, of how your word applies to our life. Lord, give us new desires, new priorities, new ambitions. God, take our old person away. Let the old go away so that the new can come.